0: Hello listeners and welcome to Float Your Boat with myself and George Sabados. Right from the start I just want to apologise for the sound quality of this intro. I'm recording this on my iPhone from a caravan in the deep south where I'm fishing for a week. Um, and George is still in Greece um, looking for his long lost goat from his childhood named Bob he's having a great time and i think you probably have seen some of his antics on facebook on our facebook page Um, don't forget listeners to uh, subscribe like and um, write a review for our podcast because every little bit helps to get us up the rankings so more people get to listen to our dulcet tones today we're going to play an episode that we recorded a few months ago with a lovely lady named Bhavani Bauman. Bhavani uh, has a uh, really great story. She grew up um, to Jewish parents in the eastern suburbs um, and her parents dropped out and joined a sect called the Anandamaga sect where Bhavani learned how to become a great vegan cook. Fast forward to to this year and Bavani opened the first ever vegan bistro called The Green Lion and it's above the Green Lion Hotel in um, Roselle. She's a colourful character, she's funny, um, she was a singer for a while so she's got a big voice uh, and we really enjoyed doing this interview. So... Sit back or go for a walk, pop your headphones on and uh, have a listen to this episode of Float Your Boat. To the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls, and potholes, and how they overcame it all. And
1: now here are your hosts. Yes. I mean, I, I am, I am curious. I mean, if your parents came from Hungary, which was, <clears throat> which was pretty much a, um, a, a communist, the communist era. Yeah. Which was. I, I, yeah, I get they were lefties, but I thought hippie, the hippie movement didn't actually make. That it wasn't to
2: that. there. They were kids when they left Hungary. Um, yeah, no, no, no. They they were they they um, escaped with their families when they were. So my dad was sixteen, and my mum was about eight or something when they left with their families. Um, but like my my mum's brother, who's a bit older than her, he was sent to France to, a, to a, like a monastery, um, to like a Catholic school um, and he, because people were sending their kids away because um, it was things weren't looking good. And so he got sent and he didn't come back for nine years. So he was nine when he left and 18 when he didn't see his family for nine years. Well how did he survive? Well, he grew up in this monastery, in this French monastery, Catholic French monastery. So he actually quite identified with being French, and, and um, Catholic, and Catholic. And he was quite anti. He didn't really want people to know he was Jewish. It was quite odd. But so my mum only met him at, just before they escaped to Hungary, Hungary, which when she was eight, or something. Um. Yeah. So amazing, kind of. Like he loved it there. He loved it in France and. I guess that became his home and it was a bit odd for him to come back.
1: Yeah, right. Which year are we talking about? We're talking about the 50s? Or yeah, 50s. The yeah,
2: right. So the revolution was in 56. Um, so, so he escaped that or he was, wasn't was there for it? I think it uh, was that they were getting a whiff of things and they sent people sent their kids off to mm. boarding schools and things in other countries. Because my family were quite in Hungary, not here, were quite high socialite Quite wealthy people. Um, they had, you know, they were like my, if you see photos of my grandparents, they're like dressed to the nines in the Swiss Alps. And my mum was just brought up in another part of the house by nanny. And they were just big socialites and, and very good looking and kind of, you know, it was all very glamorous. And then they got everything taken off them. And my grandfather went in, insane. He couldn't cope with it. Like, because he went from being this wealthy playboy to having nothing. And um, they had to share their house with other families, and their whole life got turned upside down. Um, and all their property got taken off them, you know, because they owned a lot of properties. So I think, like, my grandmother ended up, they did this, the government did this thing where they gave some shares back to people, and she got like $15,000 or something.
1: Well, they, 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 um, they, they Subsumed everything. They they took control of everything and just yeah. gave like a, a <coughs> nominal of, bit of amount, bit of money back. They gave yeah. they, well. They split the land up and gave properties to poor people and shared it equally. Yeah. Wow. So, that would so be hard uh, to take. I th- a, a so would it,
2: be? it would have been. Well, she, mean, was she was old by then. She was been here for a long time, and um you know. But nothing, no money that she could really do anything with. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, fifteen thousand bucks in Australia is worth nothing. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> but you know, by then she was old, and you know, she wasn't planning on going back to Hungary or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so it's quite amazing.
0: So tell us, um, tell us how your parents ended up here. How did they end? Like,
2: well, they escaped. So because they were wealthy, they could pay their way out. So. So my dad's family paid, they bribed their way out, and my mum's family escaped.
0: And then they met here? Met
2: they them, met though. here, so they ended up in Bondi, where all the Jews end up. <laughs> and I think they got put on a blind date, and um, dad decided on the second date she was the one, I think. And she was like... That's very old school. Pardon? That's old school. Yeah, and she was like, well, this is a way out of my family. So, because look, she was always, I think my mum was always kind of artistic and a bit bent, and she just wanted to run, like, get away from that kind of very they straight were strict, life. Were
1: they? were they strict?
2: Well, they were just very traditional, you know. I don't know how strict they were, but, you know, she was the baby girl, so she's got two older brothers, and. I think she just kind of saw life in a different way and I guess her and my dad had something in common where they both wanted to run off and do something different. So um sold their house in Paddington for $35,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we bought a combi van. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tell us, about, so, so yeah, tell us like a bit. T- like so that, tell, yeah. us a st- tell us tell us story. So how old were
1: you when the combi van
2: probably um I was probably about two and a half, three.
1: You don't have any brothers and sisters? I do.
2: I'm the eldest of four.
1: Oh, so four kids in the combi? No, band.
2: so it's just my brother and I. My sisters got born quite a bit later.
1: Oh, they got born in a house, not in a combi van? Um,
2: yes, they got born in a house. No you one was born in a that. combi. <laughs> <laughs> they were home birthed. Right. So, oh, were they? Yeah. Oh, so real hippies. Yeah, so wow. they definitely, I cut the cord for one of them. Um, no, they definitely got born in a house because they were home birthed. But um, my brother and I were born at um, Royal Women's Hospital in Pat- when oh, it was in Paddington. Yeah, right. Um, so when my... Um, yeah, I was born. Mum and Dad were living a very free, open marriage kind of life. What does that mean? Just doing whatever Did they it wanted.
0: wanted. to do. wanted to do. Were they spiritual hippies or were they just, just hippie hippies?
2: No, like? they became so... They became yeah they were spiritual hippies so we joined in uh, Indian based spiritual path that's why my name I was born Melanie but right. I changed to Bhavani when we joined because everyone gets given this India an Indian name when they join
1: so it wasn't it wasn't uh, like the Hare Krishna style of dancing and yeah it was beating of the door. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Okay, well, I'm not going to ask you to give us a rendition. But, no, okay. but, but I, mean, me. I,
0: I mean, I'm actually <laughs> interested. So it wasn't the Hare Krishna f- faith as such. It I mean. wasn't,
2: but it was, a, I guess, along, though it was an Indian-based spiritual path, so there was the orange chanting.
0: People
2: and the, the, yeah, it was all around that era yeah. of Rajneesh. Yeah, yeah. Um, um But Anandamaga was it was called Anandamaga. Oh, Anandamaga. Oh, okay. Anandamaga. So you know Anandamaga because yeah. we had bad yeah. press yeah. with the Hilton bombing and yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, and, oh. yeah.
1: I, th- I thought the name sounded familiar, oh. mm-hmm. right, yeah,
2: well,
1: okay, we'll get
2: yeah. back to that later, yeah, so um, yeah, so chanting and and but the thing about an undermarga was, and this is where our vegetarianism started um is um it's a very pure lifestyle, so there's no meat, no alcohol, no drugs, no tea and coffee, nothing, no stimulant of any type, hmm. so. You know, it's probably different to Rajnish or whatever, where they could kind of do whatever they wanted. Um, so it was a very kind of strict, like lifestyle in that way.
1: And you're still <clears throat> living that way now.
2: No, I never, I never took on an Undermarga um, myself, but the vegetarian thing really stuck with me. I was shown a lot of like animal liberation films and things when I was young. And just the whole farming thing, I couldn't really get that out of my head. Mm. So Mm. that became, that's the main thing I took on from all of it. Um, And I went to an Anandamaga school when I was young as well. There was one? Yeah, in um, French's Forest. Is it still there? What, um, it became a Montessori school.
1: You right. And, you and how many other students? There couldn't have been many. Surely. No,
2: there was only about thirty of us. So we had the big family and the oh. little family. So mm. little family was sort of up to seven, and then the big family was seven to when you go to high school. Um. So we meditated every day. We it was very. Uh, there's some really amazing aspects of it because mm. we would sit around and talk every day about issues that we had with each other and try and sort them out and you know when I went to a normal high school after that I really struggled that the kids didn't have a voice as such and problems couldn't be sorted. So did you become their voice? when you're I tried I got into a little bit of trouble
1: I can imagine
2: that
1: you, yeah. you I can imagine that, <laughs> that might have happened. You strike me as someone that would be outspoken.
2: Yeah. At, at well, it was interesting because the Manly Daily came to me and I was only in year seven or something. And they wanted to interview me about going from that school to this, to, you know, a public high school. And, of course, I was only 14 or something, so you don't really filter yourself. Mm. Which they loved. I can just imagine. And um, I got called into the principal's office, and they're like, "You can't say this stuff." What? Did, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I was just, com- I now. was just
2: comparing, you know, um, the the kind of. I wasn't really used to hierarchy. In in the sense of. I mean, our teachers were still our teachers at Sunrise. It was mm. called Sunrise. A new Dawn in education
1: was the slogan. <laughs> wow, that was, that, <laughs> that was good marketing. <laughs> um, That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, so, um, but I was used to my teachers being more, you know, we were friends and we would talk about everything and no subject was really off limits as mm. such. I mean, we were only a small school. So it's different when you go to a massive public school. But I was just really shocked by um, the lack of communication in the public system mm. between teachers and kids and kids with each other and no pro- problems. Bullying didn't really get addressed. or I think these days it does. But when I was young, that kind of thing didn't get addressed, mm. whereas at sunrise everything like that got addressed. So I was quite shocked by... Just the di- those differences, and I was in a system all of a sudden. You know, like a I wasn't used to that. Yeah,
1: yeah. But how did that how did that happen for you? You were at this school. Well, because there I was mean, no high school a... for. Oh, I see. You outgrew the. the yeah, school. well, that was only primary school. Oh, there was okay. no
2: high school, and undermager high school. So
1: really, it's quite progressive to <clears throat> to give kids of that age group that kind of responsibility to sort things out themselves and to talk things through that. That's amazing.
2: Well, we had this chart and it was called, we had our eyes. So we'd say, you know, so for instance, we had a boy who was a big bragger and he'd bring money and throw it around. And that was, you know, so his eye was bragging and he had to watch his bragging. And so, Oh, I see. Uh, so until he sorted that out, that was his eye, and that's what he got watched up for. And when everyone felt that he was kind of easing up on that and stopping that, that eye got... Mm, removed. Removed. Right. Um, but we'd talk about it as a group, you know, because it... Um, yeah, I mean, that seems like a kind of a trivial thing, but it used to bother people that that was his way of communicating, you mm, know. Mm, sure. So you can imagine going to a normal school where you bring something like that up and... It's not really an issue. Yeah, that. Yeah. It was just the way I'd been brought up and what the way I was so, used to so thinking. So what I think, was your right? Sorry. What was your right? I was perfect. <laughs> 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 so I is perfect. <laughs> Everyone, I am perfect. I is perfect. Everyone's like, she's so perfect. She's got to work on that. <laughs> I can't actually. It's funny that you ask that because I actually can't remember. Right. It's probably whinging. No, that's not. That's probably not. whinging. <laughs> so, well,
0: so are your parents? Where are
2: they now? Uh, Well, my mum passed away two years ago. And my dad, um, I grew up, we ended up in Balmain. Yeah. So my dad's still there. Not a bad place to end up. Yeah. So I stay with him when I'm, that's why I can commute. Right. Um, And, um, yeah, yeah, so he's just, he's, you know, retired, of course, now. And they had an organic fruit and vegetable delivery business for a lot of years. Which would have been ahead of its day. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing about my parents is even though they're kind of hippies and not part of society as such, they were always ahead of their time with stuff. So the vegetarian, like my grandmother used to say, who's, she passed away as well, but she was 94, um, she used to say, you know, your parents, they would meditate and they were vegetarian. I think they're crazy. Now my friends in Double Bay are doing it, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> they, they've always kind of been progressive with that stuff and gone against the grain a little. And I guess that's where I've well, you got inherited it, it from. Yeah. Um, so as much as I sort of see my upbringing as kind of chaotic and not a traditional, like people say, oh, well, that's so cool how you grew up, but there's hardships to For it. For a
0: kid that might... That well, there's
2: no not much stability. stability yeah, yeah. Um, So <clears throat> it's a quite an experimental kind of upbringing. But then I guess I've learned things from it. I've learned to not put myself in a box mm. in society and do things that I want to do, uh, or what things that I believe in. So how
1: many of of, of the old uh, yeah. philosophy of of um, the way you were brought up? No, no, no stimulants. No, no animal product.
2: Mm. Or no, no, no that, meat. No meat. So an undermager, a vegetarian. They were we are allowed, allowed milk, dairy and things dairy.
1: like that. Okay. No eggs, though. No, no stimulants of any kind. Not coffee. Mm. Not tea. Mm. Uh, no alcohol. Well, how's it going for you now? I'm drunk right now. Do you drink? I'm drunk right now. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. You're in good the, company. I've been at the Grand <laughs> Lion all morning. <laughs> Dutch
2: courage. Um, no, I've. Um, I, funnily enough, I've only started drinking coffee in the last couple of years.
1: That's good because that's yeah. one of your gifts. That's today. one of your gifts. <laughs> you never, oh, you can have a, a bit of a coffee stimulant. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I have
2: been enjoying that. But before that, I never did because I was never allowed it growing up.
1: And you work out of a pub now, so yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm not like I, I enjoy the odd drink, but I'm not. I've never been much into drugs or alcohol. Yeah, um, just personally. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I do have a bit of a story about that too. I just don't know if I should end that. Well, you
1: can tell us at the end Atch- no, when we switch off. The no, tell us now. <laughs> no, tell us now.
2: Tell us now. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, do you remember that show Front Up?
1: Yeah.
2: I, he found me one day because it was always my dream to be on it. And he found me and I told the story on Front Up and I never heard the end of it because I was quite young then. So when I was five, I had a trip on Magic Mushrooms. How? Because they were growing in the fields. <laughs> oh, right. Because so they were, just, were there. They were there, and to... the adults were having them, and it was a commune. This is before and under Marga.
1: Oh, so they didn't really stop you from taking them because they... They didn't really know.
2: You. Like, we could just pick them. Because they were already tripping and you... Yeah, probably. And, and you just thought, oh, I'll... So just... my cousin and I did it. And? She was four and I was five. And what did you think? So it was kind of fun at first. <laughs> like, there was cartoons on the ceilings and things. And oh, really? Yeah, and my, I remember my cousin being in the bathtub, turning it on and off, bath on and off. She was laughing. But then it turned bad, and I remember sitting in the combi, crying my eyes out, and thinking my hand was getting bigger and smaller. <laughs> and But it turned me off laugh. drugs for life. See, the thought of hallucinating to me, I mean, I'm just... doesn't. Yeah, does nothing for me or I think because I was so young it just was too much and I'm sure it shaped my life a little Mm
1: -hmm. yeah as well and what what did the commune get out of it like when they were doing these communal acid trips what I'm not sure
2: I was so young but um I guess look it was that kind of era it was up around Byron (laughs) Bay and people were just experimenting and you know yeah.
0: it was a search for spirituality wasn't it yeah. that that was the the excuse to take acid yeah. back in those those early hippie days in the Mulan, Bimby and Byron yeah. areas where all the communes were that was a part of the trip was breaking away from society yeah. and doing everything Ex- that was anti-establishment yeah. so taking acid was you know you were getting you were becoming one with
2: Everything. It was it. opening your mind. Yeah. So, but then when we <clears throat> joined in under Marga, that all stopped. Because they were pretty strict, right? They were very, that was the opposite, was anti all of that stuff.
1: So they were the, like the right wing element of spiritual, spiritual. Well,
2: they were just, I mean, Indian, generally, you know, anything Indian based is going to be quite sort of straight down the line. They're, they're not, um, you know, they're quite like women generally have to be dressed from head to toe and, you know, even as a teenager, the way I I dressed was monitored um, to a certain extent. So, because we had a lot of monks and you had to be mindful that the monks didn't get turned on. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's your problem, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You decided to be celibate, not me. (laughs)
0: It's your problem.
2: Yeah. But, you know, there was that kind of hierarchy thing and... You had to be respectful and that kind of thing, which never flushed very well with me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I never, I never felt like I took on an undermager for myself, because again, I don't like being in a box. I don't like being told how to live. So you kind of went along with it because it was well, your I was parents' a kid, thing. And yeah. I, had, I grew up with a lot of friends, you know, who I'm still friends with now. Yep. Um, but everyone's gone off and done their own thing.
1: So, so they haven't stuck true to the no, Annette, no. no the philosophy.
0: So like moving that. forward, <laughs> yeah.
1: past. Past that
2: period My cult of
0: your life years, when you, yeah. yeah, when you got <laughs> the cult years. Yeah. <laughs> so you you left school. And yeah. What did you do?
2: So, after um, went into singing. So oh. I started out as a jazz singer. Yeah, I sent you the song? I've got the song. Um, so yeah, I started out mainly as a jazz singer around the traps, and uh, then. Um, met my husband, who is a musician as well and had a studio, so we started writing together and toured a lot around Australia and I've done a lot of voiceover. In what era was
0: that, the 80s? No, 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 90s. Right. Mm,
2: no, 2000s. Right, wow. We met in 2000s, so. Right. Yeah.
0: Are you, you're just a youngster. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You you are compared to us. You're a late starter in the music industry. Late starter,
2: yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so, um, and then I was also doing like jingles and voiceover type stuff as well, which I kind of still do a little bit of now.
0: And now, a word from our sponsors. This is about the 400th take, listeners. <laughs> this is our, uh, this is our um, for a male
1: sponsor, Mungrel Joes. Yes, Mungrel Joes. So, hey, Brett, what keeps you going? I'm not sure what you're implying. I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, uh, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, a proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty, and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten, and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. <laughs> it brings out the mongrel in you. <laughs> God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mungrel Joe's. <laughs> That's Jones. my line. No, That's no, your line. <laughs> Mungrel
0: Joe's is the best. Taste experience ever. It's 100 percent Australian, and not only is it a performance coffee, it's strong and smooth. Like me, of course, George. <laughs> it's the greatest coffee on earth. The world's greatest coffee. <laughs> is <world>. it really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot. Excuse the palm.
1: No, 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 you didn't have to say that.
0: Well, it's you printed it on the page.
1: You're George. on you're on fire, Brent. I am on. We could fire. have scratched that
0: out. And just for our listeners to put, put it, put in a discount code, float your boat, and you'll get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat, one word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungo Joe's. I'm telling you,
1: folks. Aside from this great script, that George, wrote, <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> Anyway,
0: listeners, mongrel jazz. It's, It's the best.
2: So... Yeah, because having children kind of stops the touring stuff and all that. Oh, right. Yeah. So then my husband... I was sort of a stay-at-home while my husband ran his studio in Leichhardt. And then uh, about well, eight months ago, I started The Green Lion.
1: What made you... I mean, firstly, your mm. husband has a studio. Yeah. Right. What type of studio is that?
2: Uh, so he does... Um, well, we've built one in our house in Port Macquarie now. But he does... Um, he does all sorts of stuff.
0: Oh, so you ended up in Port Macquarie? We
2: built a house in Port Macquarie. Yes. Well, we couldn't afford Balmain. Right. So we bought land there a few years ago and then before I was going to start this business and then we built a house and we moved there in December. So generally I commute down for four days a week and my husband stays at home with the girls. So
0: I had a look at the website for the Green Line. Oh, there's not much on the website. But there is a view. there is more of the your bistro than there is at the pub. Well, we... Um, Not much of a pub, then.
2: Yeah, no, no, there's a pub. So the Red Line, it's the Red Line, which has been there for 150 years.
0: Oh, so when I go- I Googled the Green Line, so that came up as the bistro Yeah, so pub,
2: we're the Green right, Line and downstairs the is the Red, red line. line. Right. So um, there's still like a kind of... It's like an old... Old man's pub. Old man's pub, mm. and no one was going. Um, And we... So there's still, like, ten people down there. And then we were a totally different vibe upstairs. But the pub runs our bar and their bar, so we're just doing food. So they're happy. Yeah. Well, there's people there now. Um, But even if you Google the red line, the green line comes up now because it gets Googled a lot more. So
0: so it's in Roselle, right? Yep. Whereabouts in Roselle is it as you go? Is it along? It's on um, Darling Street. Darling Street, yeah. Um, Do you know... From the markets. Yes,
2: yeah, so it's the other side of Victoria Road.
0: Right. Yep, on that side. So yeah. if I'm coming up, going towards Tremaine or whatever, to the left hand side. Yeah, about right. a block down. Yeah, where Tetsu used to be down there.
2: Opposite, way. like where? Yeah, because yeah, um, do you know where Egg of the Universe is? That yep. yoga studio. We're yep. opposite it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they they're getting they're getting more people now in the pub, but not just any people. People who are vegan. Vegan. Now, That's wow. full on, right? Because you've shifted from. Your early days of being vegetarian mm. to now being pure vegan. Mm. I mean, that's a bold move out of a traditional pub in mm. Sydney. Mm. In the work, apparently, town. bold move. <laughs> apparently, people tell so me so. You that. didn't think about that? Didn't feel
2: that. bold to me. No, it didn't.
0: So, what made you? What made you decide to do that? I'm
2: oh, really not sure. Um, so, I was running um, a women's choir, and we were rehearsing up there because it's been empty for a few years. So, um, We were rehearsing up there and the space was empty and my business partner, I have a business partner, Sasha, who um, does some kind of like healing motivational stuff and I I got him in to help the choir get ready for some shows and he's owned food businesses for 20 years in the inner west Um, and he said I was at a commercial kitchen and we'd been kind of chatting between us about doing something and then I said "Oh." I think we should do a vegan pub, Bistro. And he went, okay. And we opened six weeks later. Okay. It was just quite organic, like the way it just all happened. And then we... we For want
0: of a better term, organic.
2: Organic. Well, that's, no, our, <laughs> our food actually isn't organic. Right, okay. It's way too expensive yeah, to right. be organic.
1: But it, but it is vegan, which is which is um, like... Um, it's in the fiction. health. It's in the well, health it's ways. Yeah, but it? it's, okay. it's extreme when you, think, when you think of the context. You're in a pub... Mm. Pub food across Australia is your typical, you know, beef steak burger, and steaks and the mm. steaks, and you know what, chicken schnitzel. Well, traditionally,
0: I mean, that, that's what happened with the Greeks when they came. There. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It was the, you know, it was always. That's why there was no Greek food in in the pubs and stuff. And mm. anything that the Greeks ran, they had to
1: do steak and three veg because mm. it was yeah. still white bread, mm. English. You that's know, right. But, you know, that's right. So. I still see it as, a, I see it as an incredibly yeah. bold move. But yeah, yeah,
2: look, it is. Um, it's just that because it's so much part of who I am, to me it wasn't... I mean, I knew that there was... I did market research and I knew that people wanted it. Um, I didn't know how many, though. Like, I did... You know, we we did... We had got a publicist who... who he's a vegan and he, he does a lot of vegan pub publicity for vegan places. Yeah. And... Um, he sent out a press release, and so Time Out did an online article, and that got shared like twenty eight thousand times in two weeks. Amazing! And that just sent. Then Daily Mail UK did an article. I got calls from England, from Canada. Um, I did what, a for pod- orders. <laughs> no, just for <laughs> interviews. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, Amazon podcast on global trends. Which one of them is veganism? <clears throat> Um, and you know, we just get media contacting us all the time. And I thought that was normal, but people said, how, how, how do you, cause I do all our marketing and they're like, what are you doing to get the marketing? But it's just because we're different and we're the first vegan pub bistro in Australia, possibly the world. We're not sure, but we didn't know that when we started. Mm. So the reason that everyone went nuts is cause we're the first,
1: um, and so you're recognized as the first first vegan vegan bistro.
2: Mm.
1: what what um I mean you know you don't look half starved or half crazed mm. right so uh, and you know most people most traditional eaters would think mm. that's how vegans look mm. now obviously the food the the, the the food that you offer is is of a nature that's quite filling similar mm. to what they're used to on a standard menu in a pub, right? They will mm. order something and it's quite filling. What's a typical like what's a typical menu item for well, I had a look at them I had a look mm. at your menu
0: and I thought the menu looked fantastic. Mm. Well to be it, honest, I I'll be, like, I'll be over there to try something. Well as we the... spoke about we're gonna get <coughs> Stu King, our friend who does the walking tours yeah. and we'll come over and eat. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean our
2: biggest seller is a Green Mac, which is A what? A, a green Mac, which is <laughs> a green vegan Mac. version of a Big Mac. Big Mac.
1: So what's the green bit? It's well, kale?
2: no, 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 we just, it's just, that's just the name of it, because mm. we're the Green Lion, so we call oh, it yeah, Green Mac. Oh, yeah, of course, B- okay. The yeah. Green Mac. So, um, and interestingly enough, um, we had last night in, um, the Guzman-Y Gomez guys came in to have a meeting with us, because they want to introduce more plant-based foods into their menu, and one of them is the ex-CEO of McDonald's, and so, so the I've American a photo chap. of him eating a green mac was very exciting. The American oh.
1: chap, the, the the
2: Steve is the um, owner of Guzman, but he has um, a guy working with him alongside him. He was CEO of McDonald's.
1: Well, I hope you have a, a wall of fame in your in your bistro and you put that
2: photo up. on Well, the... Instagram's good for this stuff, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but you know he's like I've eaten thousands of Big Macs, so this will be interesting, and so you know that was a pretty cool moment. Um, and he really loved it and um, I said you may or may not be on Instagram tomorrow
1: <laughs> depending on how I feel so he, he obviously didn't mind no he's fine he was fine but, but uh, so what um, I mean who comes up with the the meals the concepts
2: so my business partner because we make all of our sauces and things from scratch um, like we have chipotle aioli and all that everything that you can think of like mayo's um, so my business partner has kind of developed a lot of those, and they're our secret weapon, really, yeah. of our, are our Your sources. secret source. Secret sources. Um, I'm the one that's really in touch with the commun- vegan community and know what they want to eat because I'm one of them, and um, I really engage with that online, with that community, and I listen to what customers want. So I generally will come up with the concepts. Yeah. Um, And because I do the marketing, that kind of works out really well. Um, So it's kind of a a joint effort between my business partner and myself. Um, So the like the Aussie burger with the lot is something I came up with because I found fried vegan eggs. So it's got bacon, egg, hash brown. It's got it's just like a, And people say it's just like they had at a milk bar when they were kids.
1: Right, but it's a vegan. Greek milba, but You're it's making vegan. me hungry. Stop
2: it. Um, my mouth is watering. So
1: after the interview, <laughs> yeah. come for
2: dinner tonight. So this is a thing. People's can a lot of people have their first vegan meal there because a lot of young people are vegan now because of social media and they watch a lot of the <clears> stuff throat> throat> that a lot of older people don't want to watch it because they know what it's going to do to their brain. So, but young people are more open to information like that. And so they'll have their 18th, their 21st, and they bring their whole family, their uncles, mums, and they're all coming in like, we got dragged here,
0: you know. So so for, our, for the listeners that mm. don't know, define veganism.
2: Well, veganism is plant-based eating, so everything is made from plants, no animal products right. whatsoever, um, nothing that's derived, even honey, nothing that's derived from animal. Even honey? Honey, yeah. That comes from a bee.
0: Yes, but it's... What about... So so it it comes from...
2: Well, it comes out of the bee, though. It's still an animal. It's a regurgitant.
1: An insect. It's the only regurgitant we consume. I love bees. Yeah, I know.
2: And we're having (laughs) bee problems, too. We are. Yeah.
0: And I love bees, but I love honey as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: there's plenty of nice things, you know. There's rice syrup, um, maple syrup. Yeah, rice syrup, yeah. A lot of them do just as good a job. Um, Yeah.
1: So, so you've managed to find a substitute for just about any any person's
2: requirement. We love veganising things. Mm. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I've, I've we're the fastest veganisers in Australia. Uh, well, no, no, but,
1: but, but here's a question for you, right? So, I've mm. I've I've um you know
2: I've just ate a steak.
1: No, 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 no. no I've entertained the idea of veganism a few yeah. times in my life, and and I've actually been. I can recall being feeling the best I've ever felt during the times that I that I did, did it. But mm. one thing that I could never understand is okay, I get I get, you know, people who want to be vegan, but why is there a market for vegan sausages, mm. vegan bacon, mm. vegan chicken? Like if you just wanna be a vegan why do you need those products? And then, of course, they're frightening because I flip them over and I look at the ingredients yeah. that go into making them, and I think, oh God, you can't mm. really eat this stuff. Mm. It can't be good for you, right?
2: It's not. Um, look, they're not products that you should eat every day. And the thing is, our food is not health food. It's hmm. vegan junk food. It's vegan pub food. Um, oh, so you do use that those, some of those we products. We use those oh, products. Okay. So, I but you that's a that's a comment. Scratch. Uh, no. Well, we we. For instance, we get the mints in, but we make the patties ourselves from it. But um, a lot of our stuff comes from Canada, the meat products, and they cost the same as premium meat products. They're very expensive. But that question gets asked a lot. And the answer to that is that people don't necessarily go vegan because they don't like the taste of meat. They do it for ethical reasons. Mm. They do it because of farming practices, the way the animals are treated. Sure. The environment's not coping with the farming. No, I get that. Um, and it's not necessarily for health reasons. Um, very few people do it actually for their own health reasons. Well,
1: let's let's look at that side of things. Is mm. that what's driving you, the ethical side yes. of things? Yes. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So you have a, a real commitment to you know being being kind to animals and yeah. and not industrialising their lives. I mean, they are galley yeah. slaves to, you know, our...
2: Well, our population is growing so fast that they, the farmers can't treat the animals properly to get enough out.
1: Yeah, and I, and I, um, I was watching a documentary uh, in preparation for this interview about mm. um, that we actually need six planets of mm. agricultural space in order to feed the expected population mm. base on a meat-based diet mm. in the next 20 years. Mm. Now, that's impossible. But we have a problem
0: generally with the amount of people and the amount of food we need to produce, don't we? Yes. Well, that's
2: why people are starving in some countries, so we can mm. eat. Mm. Like, a lot of the land in third world countries is raising our food. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just, but if you, you know, I like to watch the World Population Counter you know, it's like watching a fire. I don't
0: like watching that. It freaks it's me well, scary. it's
2: freaky, but mm. it makes you um, face reality a little bit, because it's like a third. It there's like a third of the people dying to the people being born. Mm. So it gives you a good indication of what's happening. Um, and you know, Bill Gates has put a lot of money into this fake meat thing, and he's not vegan. He's doing it because he knows we're going to have to eat this stuff, even if you're not vegan. And I say that to people. I say, you can laugh at me and you don't have to go vegan, but you're going to be forced to eat this lab-grown stuff because mm. the planet can't keep farming.
1: I know I know yeah. that if we all went vegan tomorrow, um, uh, the world mm. uh, would be a better place in so many areas, mm. not, not least of which uh, global warming. Mm. Uh, apparently um, a lot of it's caused Cows. by... C- cow, farts. cow farts. Cow farts.
2: Well, 51% yep. of... This was a few years ago. Fifty-one percent of pollution is from farming,
1: but also the 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 um, the, the uh, land clearing that mm. this mate that's making way for cows to graze on, and the land gets ruined. It's unusable again. I know it's crazy, right? But if we all went to lentils and beans, uh, we could adequately feed everyone um, in for for a great number of years. Yeah. Well, we we're, we're good at. Keeping people alive now as well,
0: which doesn't help. Yeah, people so live longer. People live longer, so that mm. third count, third more all the time is mm. because people, mm. you know, like my parents, you know, will live till they're in their nineties instead mm. of, you know, their parents that
1: were only living till the seventies and fifties. Yeah, yeah. You know, etc. So I mean, you're right, Bavani. There's mm. going to be there's there's going to be a lot of issues that our kids will have to face, mm. uh, and their kids, uh, not least of which is. Do we have do we have more children? Um, can we eat meat? You know, ethically, can we continue to eat meat when it's causing such a such distress to the planet
2: um, and to the animals? No, I mean, I animals. just don't. For me, look, the green line isn't about preaching, and we don't preach in there, and I yeah. don't attack anybody. Right. And only probably 24... 24- <laughs> you don't attack them. Do you? Well, I don't. You know, like I had. You're not in their face. No, like, I'm not going to put up posters and movies in there and things like that yeah, because right. I'm not there to freak people out. Yeah. My, my way of education is putting some food in front of you and going, try that. That's good. And it's tasty and people blow out. Mm. What more can you say to someone? Like, oh, I can eat vegan food. It's this not. This is
0: fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's, I that's... can
2: cut my meat consumption down and eat this sometimes. Like, I'm just happy if people cut their meat consumption down. I'm not trying to make the whole world vegan. That's not realistic right now. So
0: are kids welcome? in the. Of course, yeah, it's a
2: bistro. Yeah, we have a kid's menu as well.
0: Fantastic on there.
2: Um, So, you know, it's just about education through fun and, you know, making a nice environment for people and, and tasty food. People blow out that their idea of what vegan food is is so different to what we feed them. Yeah, right. so they said, this cheese, it tastes like cheese, you know. So I'm showing them they don't have to eat animal products to have those same tastes. And- it would
0: be, be great for kids too because kids, you know, historically are picky with food anyway. Mm. If you can get them to eat stuff that they think tastes really yeah. good, even if they don't know that it's vegan, mm. it, it then opens their minds to the possibility of, Wow, you know this stuff. We have good. chips
2: and nuggets. You know, it's the same as a normal pub.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, and um, uh, you know, a lot of the kids often don't realise it's not real chicken because real the real chicken nuggets are processed anyway. Oh,
1: you know. they. It's probably safer eating your chicken yeah. nuggets than so, the. Uh, so
2: how,
0: <laughs> the how big is the how big is the actual bistro? How many? So
2: people? we can seat about one hundred and twenty. Right. We've got a big wraparound veranda. Um, so yeah, it's quite a decent size.
0: And it sounds like you're, so you've got a house in Port Macquarie.
2: <laughs> Don't talk to me about it.
1: Well, we're glad you took the time out to come and visit us.
2: Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking me. That's right,
1: Bhavani. I, I wanted to ask you, like, what what now? Like, where to from here? Like, What's uh, next? You're, you're growing. Um, mm. The business is growing. Mm. Um, you know, you're, you're popular as well. I mean, you've had mm. interest in your business model from a number of different mm. places, in not least of which Guzman and Gomez, mm. what's, um, what's next? What's in store for you? Where
2: we, look, we've got ideas, but at the moment, because we took off so quickly, it was really hard to get all our systems set up properly. Um, we kind of got a bit taken by storm, storm and um, we didn't really have time to develop the systems the way we should have. So at the moment, we're just trying to consolidate Yeah. because when we first opened, we, we just got smashed. And um, so now we're just consolidating, getting everything in order, writing a manual for the business, and then thinking about expanding. But, you know, we just really want to have everything in order first here. It's very tempting because people are excited and want (coughs) to do franchises and all sorts of things with it. (coughs) Um, But we've really, you know, that's also, it's easy... Um, if you jump into things too quickly for it to all fall apart as well. So, um, yeah, we're just trying to...
0: So so the title of our show is Float Your Boat. Yes. And I take it this is what floats your boat.
2: Very here. much so, yeah. I'm very passionate about it I'm very excited that I get to do something that I love.
0: So if... People want to come. What's the address and how do they get in touch? Online, It's is it the um, greenline.com.au? Yeah,
2: greenline.com.au. Um, we're on Instagram as Green line Raw or right. on Facebook.
0: Oh well, Yeah, we'll be following you.
2: Green Line on Facebook. Um, we have a lot of events that we do, so a lot of interesting things coming up. We've yep. got a singles night coming up mm-hmm. as well, and we've got a singer called Montaigne coming in soon. Who's, I know
0: that name. Yeah, she's oh, getting
2: isn't? quite... She just won ARIA for Best Breakthrough Artist. She's right. going to be quite famous. She's a vegan. She comes in a lot. Um, and we've got a guy called James Aspie coming in who's a bit of a vegan pin-up boy.
0: James Aspie. James Aspie, the pin, the vegan pin-up boy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, he's actually he's an ad, he's a activist. Right. A vegan activist. Okay. But He's uh, oh, a bit of the eye girls candy. love him. Bit of, a bit of, of, eye bit candy, of vegan yeah, eye right. candy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> so, so, so you've sent a song in, uh, one of your songs. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about the song before we.
2: So this song is called on. One Star um, and it's something I did with my husband in the studio. Um, and it's never really been played anywhere before, actually. Not um,
1: even in your bistro?
2: No, no,
0: I don't play mine. It's pretty funky.
2: Yeah, so we like, because my background is jazz, but I kind of like, I like dance kind of mm. groove music, so it's kind of mixing of all of that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just about people, I guess, finding their potential in life, their star, whatever that is. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, that's what One stars about.
0: Well, look. It's been a pleasure having you. Absolutely, Thank pleasure.
2: Thank you. Oh, I'm dying to you. get
0: out to your bistro and have
2: yeah, Oh, you. I didn't say. The address is 726 Darling Street, 726
1: Roselle. Darling Street, Roselle. Roselle. Yeah, it's a left turn instead of a right turn off Victoria Road. You're going. Coming from the city. Yeah, though. right. Mm. Mm. Great. Well,
2: thanks,
1: thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. Thanks well, for thanks coming. A lot. I'll, be, I'll be booking us in soon. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Give me, give me, give me, give me your love. Give me, give me, give me, give me your love. love ha, 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 ha. One star.